Okay, you want to talk about this shit? No, I want to keep riffing. Me too. Welcome back to the podcast. It's uh, the Your Parents Watched Your this. Parents Watched the This. The podcast on the internet where we talk about movies your parents watched and how it turned them into the way that they are. I'm Kean. This is Brad. Uh, today we're bringing you another movie in the Why Doesn't My Dad Cry saga. Uh, this one's called Death Wish. Oh, yeah, that's true, because Enter the Ninja was also why your dad doesn't Enter cry. Enter the Ninja's another uh, dad no, not never crying movie. This movie's a little more blatant with the your dad not crying messaging. It's pretty much only about that. <laughs> yeah, this movie's like taking that one concept and just spreading it out over exactly 90 minutes and then abruptly ending it. Yeah, it's depressing as shit. It's the reason I'm going to go to therapy this week. Like, <laughs> I had an appointment in two weeks with my therapist. After we watched this, I texted her, like, hey, you're going to need to bump somebody. Hey, I just realized how fucking real this world was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just realized everything sucks shit. <laughs> okay, so this movie is called Death Wish. It was released in 1974. It stars... Starls. It <laughs> <laughs> <Starles> Barkley. <laughs> it star stars Charles Bronson, Hope Lang, and Vincent Gardenia. Uh, we got Charles Bronson. He's the main dude, as always. Um, he plays Paul Kersey, a guy whose wife gets murdered, uh, and then he finds a gun and uses it to become a vigilante who shoots muggers, taking revenge on nobody in particular. Yeah, it's cool to be reminded of a time when pro-gun stuff like sold. Bro, this was like this is like the exact fucking argument of why everybody should have a gun. It's like, you know, like. Yeah, it's Texas. This movie is was written by just writing down an NRA meeting transcript. Dude, I think this movie's just like on loop in the NRA headquarters that are just like, <laughs> see what one good guy with a gun can do? <laughs> one good man with a gun can kill 20 poor people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking ending these <laughs> poor people's lives. Okay, you want to rip into this? Because this is like a fucking very anti-poor people, pro-gun, anti-lib movie, just in its purest form. This is like First, I'd like to talk about how there's no plot, though, I think. you want. I think there is a plot, because I just summed it up in half a sentence for you right there. You want to explain what I'm that business? I just think it's, f it's funny that the plot is done by minute 15, and then it's just a romp. No, 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 no. I wouldn't even agree with that. I would say th there's plot for the first seven minutes, then the plot's on hold for the b next 30 minutes, <laughs> and then the guy finds a gun, and then the movie fucking kicks off. Uh, you remember in Hellraiser how we were complaining about how, like, uh, Pinhead doesn't show up till 40 minutes into the movie? Yeah, in this movie, the gun doesn't show up until 40 minutes. Bro, in. I checked the timestamp. The gun is not on screen until minute 40 of this movie, the exact same as Pinhead. It's fucking <laughs> lunacy. Maybe that was a strategy of 80s movies. Like, 80s movies taught our dads to ignore their feelings, but also to delay gratification. <laughs> yeah. 80s, <laughs> movies, 80s movies have one really dope premise that they save right until the climax of the movie. You yeah. know what it's going to be. It was enough to sell you on watching it, and that's all that they have. <laughs> and you have to wait 40 minutes to get there. Yeah, you've paid your fucking ticket. It was $3. That's like $50 in today money. You're going to get excited when he starts capping motherfuckers with a revolver. Bro, this it. movie was a hit, and I think it was just purely out of people paying their money and not wanting to accept that it actually sucked, really. This really was a hit? This was a hit. They I made five of these, dude. I can't see this as being successful. Yeah, this was a bad me. movie. Okay, you want to start You want to yeah. start ripping apart, talking about cons, talking uh, Let's talk. all the shit that's fucked in this fucked-ass movie? Let's talk all the lessons our fathers learned from this film. 
I mean, first scene, it's it opens up with uh, Charles Bronson taking pictures of his wife on the beach, which I think is awesome that it's like just a dude who admires his wife so much. Yeah, yeah, they call him a bleeding heart liberal, and then it cuts to him respecting his wife. Yeah, he's just like on the beach taking pictures of his wife. It's beautiful. And then he, uh, uh, his wife is like, are you going to show those to anybody? And he's like, sure, why not? <laughs> 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 just like pic- private pictures of her in a bikini. That really started showing your friends nudes before uh, yeah, that's that even <laughs> became a thing. That's why everybody started doing that. That's Sure, gross. why not? Also, uh, this isn't really problematic, but she was using a yellow towel. Have you ever seen one of those before? Like not one that I've bought in stores. I was saying to you when <laughs> we watched this that I've seen white towels that I've ruined, but I've never... <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel too. It's like I think this was just a piss towel. Man, that's kind of genius. Like, do you want to start a clothing company where all the clothes we sell just, like, are, like, clean shit that looks dirty? All the fronts are yellow and the backs are brown of our pants that we sell? Yeah, exactly. We just, like, have ketchup stains that are We call it the ready-for-anything pants. (laughs) (laughs) They're already fucked and they can't be cleaned. They're piss and shit colored. (laughs) But if you piss in the shit spot or shit in the piss spot, you're fucked. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I would like. Challenge pants. Challenge pants. (laughs) Get uh, get your stains in the right zones. Be rewarded with fame and nobody knowing you're dirty and gross. <laughs> yeah. So what was problematic for you about him taking pictures of his wife, though? Nothing. I love that he takes pictures of his wife. I think that's awesome that he uh, loves, you know, thinks that she's that hot. Mm. But uh, for me, it's just how offhandedly she's like, you're not going to show those. And he's like, sure. Doesn't even does it understands that she doesn't want his friends to see completely unwilling to entertain that thought. Yeah, well, he needs his boys to know how hot his wife is. He's a liberal, bro. You have to share the wealth when you're a liberal. Yeah, I don't think the the, the guys who wrote him uh, being a bleeding heart liberal really even know what that's like <laughs> because like they established that Paul is a bleeding heart liberal only by in the next scene he's like strolling down the hallway with uh, his coworker and he, the coworker is like Paul, you are a bleeding heart liberal. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that that's how we establish that character trait. As soon as they say that, you're like, oh, that's why he was wearing a Speedo in the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he was so comfortable with his body. This movie taught our dads that liberals wear boy thongs. Yeah, liberals are liberal with their skin, and that's and mostly pictures it. of their girlfriends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> liberal in every sense except financial. Um, but yeah, the reason this guy called him a bleeding heart liberal was just because he didn't want... Uh, uh, they work in, like, some fucking housing development place. They build houses or whatever. Yep. And uh, th- he wanted to build build some low-income housing. And uh, his friend was like, you're reading a really a fucking bleeding heart liberal, huh? Yeah, dude. How are we going to make a million dollars a year when we can make $10 million a year? You fucking liberal piece of shit, dumbass. <laughs> you stupid fucking bastard. <laughs> then he references how the underprivileged are, and I quote, beating our goddamn brains out. And that the only way to fix that is if we have more cops than people. But I thought that was after the mugging incident. Nope. No? That's just <laughs> that's just already in there? Yeah, that's he just that's they say that well before that. Okay, so this is why my dad doesn't uh like tent city. Do you think that like right wing guys just see like tent fucking tent cities and then they're just like i hate these this low-income housing (laughs) why did the city put this here it's not low-income housing bro it's low-income tarping (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe this city would allow this these bleeding heart liberals you're driving by a safe injection site (laughs) (laughs) they're beating our goddamn brains out (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like really all they want to do is beat their own brains up. Yeah, it's like so all every fucking boomer is this guy's coworker, just terrified of the world, terrified of poor people. Yeah, it's like I guess this is why like every dad doesn't want you to walk home after dark. Because <laughs> he's like, what if you walk by a high rise and someone abducts you? You know? Yeah, like, yeah. it's like <laughs> maybe, but probably not. Like yeah. I get that that could happen, but just don't even worry about it. We'll cross <laughs> that bridge when we come to it. I told my dad I was moving into a high rise. It wasn't even like rent controlled or low income living. It was just a high rise, and he was like, "Man, I don't know how those fucking poor's are gonna treat you, but they'll probably get you." What does he think happens? Like, I also lived in a poor person building. No one's interested in, like, securing another property for themselves. You know, like, nobody's going to invade my house and kick it out so they can pay two rents. Well, you know? here's like, the other thing is no poor person's going to rob another poor person. Seriously, <laughs> if there's one thing poor people know, it's how little I have. Bro, we have the same Hanes t-shirt on. You're not stealing any money from me. <laughs> yeah, what do you want? All the mold in my house? What do you want? My mom's credit card? <laughs> <laughs> you can have it, bro, but it's only... Only for emergencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can have it, but only use it if you need it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the most famous guy in this movie, by the way, this is Jeff Goldblum, one of his first roles. He's, uh, he's the guy who uh, kills Paul's wife. What does he do in, like, the rest of his career? Like, was he Ghostbusters or what? He was in Jurassic Park. He was uh, in a bunch of other shit. I Jurassic Park. I was going to guess that after Ghostbusters. That's uh, a good guess, bro. Strong I guess. I've only seen movies from the 80s. Definitely a hit of the 90s. This podcast is going to turn me into my father, man. Yeah, because I'm not watching any modern day movies. I'm only watching problematic <laughs> shit. <laughs> There's no point. So, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Friends invades uh, Paul's wife's house kills him leaves his uh kills her kills her leaves that was, his, uh misgendering that wasn't we don't know for sure uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's good he kills they and then uh paul's uh, uh sister-in-law's uh, paul's sister-in-law was also there she's left with ptsd over the incident can't get over it she's in the hospital paul and his son go to visit her she fucking kicks uh, paul's son away and then paul uh goes in and gives her a hug and a kiss she's he's the only man who doesn't trigger her ptsd which i really love it's because of how gentle and caring he is yeah he's the only man who's got that old of a body and you know that when your dad's like yells at you and then he's like i only did that because i love you that's like Paul. He like goes on a murder <laughs> spree, but then <laughs> his son's wife is like, he's only doing that because he loves me. I know, but the murder spree doesn't even start for like another 40 minutes. It's like seasons change in this movie. <laughs> it's summer, and then they bury his wife in the winter, and then he goes on a work assignment to fucking some place, to Tucson, Arizona, where he meets a man wearing a, he's got two fucking horns on his car, two sets of horns on uh, the front of his car. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yellow Hunter S. Thompson glasses. He's got matching top and bottom horns, bro. That's crazy. That's like having two spoilers on your car. <laughs> yeah, that's a southern <laughs> that's a southern gentleman equivalent of spoilers. Or like <laughs> that's like having one exhaust pipe out the front and one out the back or something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah, that's like when you put smokestacks in your fucking Ford Ranger. It's like, bro, you are not generating the horsepower to use those. Yeah, this movie taught our dads to do something stupid with your car. <laughs> Either coal roll, jack it up, or put 
fucking nuts on there, baby. Yeah, decorate it in only the most manly ways. But one thing you need to know is that a car can't look like a car. <laughs> it has to look like either a penis or an antelope. Disguise it as an animal. This is the South. <laughs> <laughs> Take the wheels off. Make it slither. Try and put some legs on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel like the southern equivalent of a car is just going to be like a robo horse. Like, do you think that that's what they were trying to invent, invent back in the 1800s and then fucking Henry Ford up north put wheels on their shit and they were like, "Oh fuck, why and are we And then that's why the Civil War happened because they were mad at Henry Ford for uh, inventing the car instead of the robo horse. Yeah, we're really going to fuck up a lot of kids who are in uh homeschool <laughs> right now. Just watching any old video on the internet thinking it could be a fucking lesson. The American Civil War was not about states' rights. It was about how Henry Ford fucked up. <laughs> and I would like to make that clear. <laughs> I hate when people say it's about states' rights. What it's actually about is cars. <laughs> so yeah, then Paul fucking goes off, gets a pistol from a man who looks like Hunter S. Thompson in the South, comes back, starts killing men. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, though, is uh, he's like back at work like immediately after his wife died mm -hmm. just like you know shattered as a man your wife has been murdered and the entire time everyone's just like congratulating him for holding it down yeah <laughs> like he does not shed a tear his wife is like being put in the ground just another fucking classic zoom in on a man's face showing him get about as sad as you possibly can without ever shedding a tear yeah, that's a big trope in these types of movies, hey? Is like every movie where the man is the hero, he like d he like has to almost cry. Has to almost cry, has to never cry. Has to almost cry, suck the tears back in, pull out a gun and then handle his business. Yeah, right back to business. This movie is just <laughs> Enter the Ninja but with a gun. Enter the gun. Uh also this movie uh they do a uh, a lot of movies in the 80s love doing symbolism, but only like the lamest version of symbolism where they use the color white to represent innocence. They do this in this movie, too. So Paul's uh, apartment where he gets home invaded, that's all white uh, before the home invasion. And I then thought that was a symbol for being rich in the 90s. I honestly didn't think that meant innocence. I think it does mean innocence because I have that example where he paints the he changes the color of his house once he starts murdering from white to uh, yellow. The color of pee. Uh, orange, actually. I, yeah, it's like a weird orange The color yellow. of traffic cones and do not enter signs. Either way, it's like a color of wall that only ever existed in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, He put shag on his wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off-white shag carpet. That's <laughs> definitely the wallpaper of the 70s. But then there's that example of that. And then there's also, uh, so after his wife is murdered and before he decides to take up murdering, Yep. He's like looking out. He's like in his house, looking out into the out into the streets at all the goddamn crime that's consuming his city. <laughs> and uh, he's still innocent. He has he doesn't have any bodies yet. <laughs> he's sipping milk. That's his drink of choice. Yeah. White milk. And I, dude, I th I have to assume that that indicates purity in this movie because I just can't assume. I can't think of another reason why they would have a man this fucking hard drink a glass of milk. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he drank liquor before this too. No, he didn't drink liquor before this. Oh, he d he he his son he doesn't start drinking liquor until he has a body on him, and then his son specifically comments like, "You remember uh, how he has his son over at his house?" Yeah, 
And he's like, why are you in such a good move mood? And Paul's just like, oh, you got to move on with life eventually. But really, it's just because he started killing people, and now he has that kind of adrenaline flowing through his veins. Yeah, that's a good point. So what you're saying is in this movie, like, drinking milk represents a guy who hasn't become a man yet. I'm saying milk represents purity. Yeah, it does represent a guy who doesn't who hasn't become a man yet, actually. He's still sipping his mother's milk out of a out of a cup because he's a 50-year-old baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing that can make you a man is shooting a gun. Yeah. That's what this taught our parents. He shot a gun then he got a taste for whiskey. Shot a gun, got a taste for whiskey, started learning how to shave. This movie also uh, definitely teaches you about, uh, uh, I think it teaches you about using liquor to uh, cover up your problems. Like instead of using therapy to deal with your obvious PTSD. So uh, you should just fucking, you know, drink to cover the symptoms of it. Because so Paul gets home, he's, you know, he's given them, given a pistol as a gift. He then decides to take it upon himself to go out into the streets and start cleaning up crime. Yep. Shoots guy, comes back. He's shaking un- uncontrollably. He can't believe what he's done. Just fucking pours a glass of whiskey for himself, sips that. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm on demon time. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Now he's better. Now he's realized that he's actually the demon of New York. And he's ready <laughs> this to... This movie started uh, drinking lean, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think people, like, our dads watched this, shot a guy, realized liquor doesn't erase that, and then they're like, okay, I need that promethazine then. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have that shit invented yet, but if... Um, <laughs> I need that high tech. If Paul could just, like, get, you know, double cup some lean right now, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's what this movie should be. Just the Charles Bronson. version of this movie is Charles Bronson starts drinking lean and then raps about uh, killing these guys, <laughs> and then he fucking blows up huge and makes enough money to build his wife a statue in memory of her. That's how we make this progressive. That is how we make this progressive. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. So instead, he just kills 10 random guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm going to get revenge on the people who killed my wife. And then he just goes out and kills criminals in general. Yeah, he's like killing criminals <laughs> in general. Like he's walking down the street. OK, so the, let's let's talk about like his actual murders, because the first one that he does, I would say, is self-defense. He has a gun yeah. pulled on him. He's just he's walking. He's literally minding his own business. He has a gun pulled on him. The guy's like, give me all your money. And then uh, Paul just shoots him dead. Walks With that away. Joe Pesci 38. My uh, Paul Kersey 38. <laughs> this is seeing gun from Death Wish. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Listen to that new Benny the Butcher album. Yeah. I mean, it's not new, but it came out in 2019. Yeah, anyway. check it out. 2019's recent compared Plugs to the shit we were talking Tana about. Talk 3. Movie. <laughs> yeah, on this podcast, we talk about old movies and new albums. <laughs> <laughs> we try to relate old movies to new rap <laughs> albums. <laughs> yeah, this movie actually inspired Benny the Butcher, but only him. Okay, so he kills, he has that first murder. I think that's justified self-defense. Maybe he took it a little bit far, but okay, he's in the moment. He has a gun. What do you want him to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's called self-defense, baby. It's <laughs> written in the law. It'll never change. Every time after that, every time after that, Paul Kersey's just going for walks at night looking for danger. He's, like, taking it upon himself to clean up yeah, the city. Yeah, I think at one point he's like, yeah, only one way to find out if I helped stop crime, walk down Columbus Ave at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he just goes to the hood and starts shooting people. <laughs> yeah, and, like... Uh, there's one okay, so he walks in on a mugging. There's like three guys beating the shit out of this one guy on the ground. He shoots two, or uh, he walks in on it. The two guys start coming at Paul, so he shoots those two dead, which I think is a little overkill. But okay, 
Fair enough. I think it's the exact right amount of kill. We're going to have to. I'm talking about the legal definition of self defense, which is the minimum amount of force required to put yourself, you know, get yourself out of danger. Listen, man, you think it's overkill. I think it's regular kill. All okay. he did was shoot them. So we're saying the first two are regular kill. What about the next one where the guy's like, he sees both of his friends get murdered by this sociopath with a pistol, and then he starts sprinting away, and then Paul's like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, no, you don't, you scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> like an mm. old-timey sheriff. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> eh, see, you can't run away from the long arm of the law, see? My short, weird arm of the law. And the guy's, like, <laughs> hopping a fence, and Paul's just like, bang, bang, shoots him twice in the back, walks away. Do you think he started doing vigilante justice because he was upset with how the police handled the case? Yeah. Well, okay, they didn't even really – they sort of established that. So he goes uh, – after the case, he's like going – or after the fucking murder, he goes to the police office. After to his like, wife is murdered. Yeah, after his wife gets murdered, he goes to the police office to try and talk to the cops about it. And uh, he, he asks him, he's like, so do you think you're going to find him? And he's like, well, probably not. But Paul doesn't seem like particularly sad. If anything, it looks like yeah. he understands he how overworked law enforcement yeah, yeah. is, and he just kind of goes back home. Like in modern day movies, they're usually like pissed when the cop is like, we're probably not going to find the killer. But in this, he's just like, yeah, you know, the boys have it hard. <laughs> yeah. Ah, tough to be a cop. You guys got a lot on your plate. Uh, I think I'm going to put a couple more things on your plate. <laughs> That's his solution. Instead of like trying to get a lead for the cops, he's like, you know what? I'm going to distract you guys a little. <laughs> it's, like, it's like if you ask your friend to scratch your back and then you start tickling his nose with a feather. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You man. said you'd scratch it. <laughs> hey, focus on doing your job. Scratch my back. Do your job, Jack. The whole time you're shooting him in the face. Yeah, I think this movie also started shooting people in the back, by the way. Yeah, you don't see anyone get shot in the back. Before this movie, it was all duels. Yeah, it's all duels, shooting people in the front, all about honor. Nobody even got sniped in the back back in the day. But right now, we got Paul Kersey. Hey, stop that. Pew, pew, pew. Hey, uh, we forgot to say how he got his uh, how, how he got the idea to become a vigilante. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is the wackest fucking superhero origin story. Oh, it was a story. conscientious subjective oh, of the right. Vietnam War. But he was really good at guns because he grew up on a gun farm or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So yes, he w the reason that he was such a good shot is because he was a uh, he grew <laughs> he grew up on a gun farm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a thing old people grew up on. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like something Son your grandma would tell you? Make sure you water the scrap metal every day. In a couple weeks, it's time to harvest the Colt forty fives. <laughs> Doesn't it like if you came into a family reunion complaining, your grandma would be like, "Yeah, well, when I was a girl, I grew up on a gun farm. I had to go out there and." feed them and yeah they would bite sometimes they would shoot me in the arm by accident <laughs> and i would say that's just interpersonal skills and i'd say watch it gun i've got a family to feed <laughs> hold on guns i'm gonna sell you to feed my family i gotta take you out to market just wait or i'll shoot you in the back your grandma riding a gun to school i like that her grandma sounds like charles <laughs> bronson <laughs> i really like this charles bronson voice but uh, anyway so why was he a crack shot uh, uh, well, literally that, just that he, he, he says while he's shooting uh, his first gun uh, out in Tucson with uh, Hunter S. Thompson, man, yep. that uh, his dad had guns around as a kid, and that was it. 
Hmm. Uh, like that's yeah yeah. So I don't really think that they explain how he literally never he. It's I think so he, funny to be like, yeah, my dad had guns a lot. Why would that make you a good shooter, bro? bro? He misses four shots in that whole movie. <laughs> At work, my dad has a gun. Has, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't become a good <laughs> shot. He never handed it to me. Hey, that's a whole other crazy thing of your dad coming home from work and being like, hey, man, I th- this is for you now. I'm off the clock. Do you think that maybe when you get angry, like maybe when your wife gets murdered, you just get insane hand-eye coordination? Like you just start to be able to make shots like nobody's business? That's what happens when your fight-or-flight response kicks in. <laughs> you get tunnel vision, and you get really fucking good hand-eye. <laughs> I got laser focus You can response. catch any tennis ball, <laughs> <laughs> and you can see really well. Which is what you want in a dangerous situation. Honestly, it kind of sounds like having your wife be murdered might turn you into the optimal man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a, a key part in any man's life cycle is when your whole family gets killed and you have to rise up out of the ashes this movie taught our dads that they need to go through some shit yeah or else you'll never be shit Yo, okay so let's talk about how he gets the idea to start murdering because that should be a fucking yeah. controversy all on its own like he watches uh you know like the uh, those old west village this is like less of a thing i only know about it because i got really into watching theme park documentary videos on youtube absolutely but apparently there's like a fucking thing out it's bigger in the states where it's just like old west ghost towns where you can like go and it'll be like old you know old buildings and shit i guess it's kind of like fort edmonton park where you can just watch historical reenactments of stuff yeah 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 they just have it like big in the states because they all like suck in each other like when you go to a historical reenactment in canada they always end it with like and then there was a genocide but yeah. in the states they're like the wild west was great and we didn't scalp anybody <laughs> no, 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 all bro. we did was duel honorably in canada <laughs> it's like and then there was a genocide and in the states it's like and then there was a genocide <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> electric guitar solo <laughs> and then there was a genocide and then slash comes on and just does a fucking hair whip <laughs> but don't worry guys it ended well there was a genocide <laughs> Um, <laughs> that, that might be a good promo clip. <laughs> so they're in fucking Tucson Edmonton Park <laughs> and watching Fort Tucson Edmonton Park. And uh, they're watching some Wild West show of uh, some bad guys fucking with a sheriff. And then the sheriff takes business into his own hands and shoots them all dead. And Paul just sort of gets a look in his eyes like, hey, that's not such a bad idea. <laughs> like when you show your fucking five-year-old cousin Grand Theft Auto and they're like, I'm going to fucking kill a stripper. <laughs> like, I can't believe I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> See here, I got to go shoot up a strip club. Yeah, but also the cra- the craziest part of that to me is like, Imagine being so bad of an actor that when you do a play, you have to have all your dialogue pre-recorded. Like they, there was people like the audience was like ten feet away. You could have just said the words. Yeah. So like during the fucking uh, these guys were such bad actors that they're like, we don't fucking trust you to say the words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how they do it on like the stage shows at like fucking Universal Studios. I got really, dude. I t- I was saying I went on a deep dive. So Universal Studios used to have they every Halloween they'll do. Uh, uh, do one of those kind of productions, but it's like a stage adaption of Beetlejuice. Okay. And it's like way more fucking over-the-top theatrical. But it's like the same thing where they just pre-record all the dialogue, and then the actors go up on stage, and their only job is to act and mouth the dialogue. Bro, I used to go to, like, the drama classes plays in high school, and those 16-year-olds would all say the words. I don't respect this part of the movie. I like this, this is better. actually what made me not like the movie. It wasn't the graphic, terrible scene uh, off the top. 
It was only this sideshow. This isn't even a problem with the movie, bro. This is just like how they do sideshows. This nope. is just something you don't like I about the world. To believe I that. think you just don't <laughs> like this particular kind of production. I don't like it. I think it's a bad play and I hate it. It's not a sideshow, it's a play done wrong. <laughs> so the play within the movie ruined the fucking <laughs> shit for Brad. <laughs> this movie taught our dads that plays are stupid because that's what it taught me. It didn't teach him that plays were stupid. It taught him that they are a, a way to get you off your ass and start murdering people in the streets. <laughs> this play was this man's call to action. Yeah, my dad went and saw Legally Blonde as a play, and then he was like, I got to marry a lady or whatever the <laughs> fuck that's about. <laughs> this movie taught our dads that you have to live your life like a play. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just learned that I hate stage or uh, sideshows. Yeah, I mean, they're fucked. I, nobody likes them. I mean, that's like that's just a fact of life. Nobody likes them. You were saying before that it was insane that this guy fucking saw something this shitty that somebody that any of us would walk past if it happened <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Disneyland or whatever. Yeah, he, if I he, saw this on the He street. not only stayed and watched, but it changed his entire outlook on his life. If I saw this on the street, I would spit on the ground disrespectfully and keep walking. But this guy was like, you know what I should do is murder. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This would insult me the same as a street preacher. And, like, seeing a street preacher also, I guess, gets me amped up to murder. But I've never, like, Specifically the street preacher. I don't change my life even if my therapist is like, hey, this one thing about your life is something you need to change. I can't imagine changing something about my life if I saw it in a sideshow. <laughs> <laughs> Where people aren't even saying the words. You're <laughs> yeah, yeah. You listen to dialogue pre-recorded by a guy who's probably long dead, and you're allowing that to influence uh, how you're going to live the rest of your life. This sideshow told me to murder, but nobody actually said it. Bro, no wonder the last generation is so fucked. They're just, like, picking how they want to live their life based <laughs> on the last half-assed community production they witnessed. <laughs> yeah, but how many, like, old people, how many plays are there? millions like where are you finding these sideshows is what i'm asking i mean those ones uh, that one was happening at like an old west village they'll have shit like si they'll have shit in the same spirit of that happen at fort edmonton park at like big theme parks they'll do that stuff at disneyland at i was saying at universal studios during halloween they also do a bill and ted version of that this taught our i think this movie taught our dads that uh, you're supposed to believe uh, productions you know Cause like, have you ever been in a like a political argument with an old guy, and he's like, "Well, in this, in the movie Saving Private Ryan, they go save the Private Ryan," and you're like, <laughs> "This, uh, I think this guy in the movie is just like, yeah, in the documentary called Side of the Road <laughs> Wild West Stage Show, yeah, man, you're they shoot the guy. That's you, what you're supposed to do. You are dead on exactly right. I don't even think that was like purposeful that they kept that, in, but like that's just it's." Yeah, that's just talking about how, like, every fucking guy of that era formed all their political beliefs based on movies that they've seen <laughs> yeah. and then will not cop to that. Like, they're like, no, this is my lived experience. It's like, we all lived Private Ryan, bro. You know? <laughs> we all lived through watching that movie. I also saw Band of Brothers. I'm not fucking a right-wing guy because of that. You know? I also played the video game Band of Brothers. They made a video game of Band of Brothers? It was a mobile game. <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, the first mobile call of duty it was ass oh that's so funny 
but I was so good at it only because everybody else thought it was too stupid to try to get good at. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember playing that one on like iPod Touch. Yeah. And it was so bad. And like I remember playing it and thinking like, man, this sucks. But I was just like, it also reminds me of Call of Duty. So it also makes me think about I should shoot. Kids. I do like being able to relive World War Two on the go. <laughs> 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 That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To relive World War Two on the go, our grandparents would just have a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for us, we have to like develop an app to uh, do it. Oh, dude, could you imagine being like a vet, like a veteran of World War Two, just like doing all you can <laughs> to put that out of your brain, and then seeing a guy just like like a young kid on the bus, just like doing what you did for fun, <laughs> like. <laughs> storming the beach you're like oh yeah i remember that hey uh that your character actually looks like me <laughs> can you imagine and he dies he d he gets shot and he turns it off or like <laughs> his whole team dies he just turns it off he's like i don't want to do this anymore the guy's <laughs> like i didn't either <laughs> yeah when i didn't want to do it anymore i had to kiss a boy so the military kicked me out <laughs> <laughs> maybe the old generation did have it hard man i don't know bro because like I agree with you. Like, yeah, going to war was probably hard, but if you didn't want to, you also just had to kiss a boy. <laughs> 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 it wasn't that hard to not have a horrible life. Like, I get that you went through a lot, but it's only because you're not down to plant one on your boy. Our grandparents only struggled because they were too pussy to kiss their friends. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the only reason they went to war is because they weren't down to be a little gay. <laughs> Oh, man. You guys know why I'm not in Afghanistan right now? <laughs> Other than my horrible lung capacity? <laughs> it's because I keep kissing boys. <laughs> yeah. All right, that was off topic. Yeah, I. <laughs> with the amount of my friends I've kissed as a joke, I am undraftable. <laughs> <laughs> I am so down to kiss my boys, I, yeah, they would yeah. never be willing to put the a gun in my hands. The only reason your grandparents hate draft dodgers is because they're just jealous of how comfortable they were with their sexuality. Yeah, do you hate draft dodgers or are you just homophobic? What <laughs> what's the deal here, grandpa? <laughs> yeah, and people in this movie hate uh Paul because he was a draft dodger. No, he wasn't a draft dodger, he was a conscientious objector. I, I think he that was the same thing. I'm not positive. I think draft dodger is that you just like fucking were able to skip it all together. But I feel like I think conscientious objector is even though you were drafted, you refused. Like on grounds of protest or whatever. Yeah. Like, like what Bernie Sanders did. Yeah. On like moral grounds. I think it's more of like uh, I think it's more of a big dick move because you can actually get arrested for it as opposed to draft dodging where you just that's mm. what I would have done where you weasel your way out of the situation. Hmm. Bernie Sanders didn't go to Vietnam, right? I would assume he didn't. Do you think he also killed a bunch of guys in the subway? Without a doubt. Look at him. So, is that your king, the progressive <laughs> team? <laughs> um, okay, so after the circus performance that teaches our dads that you're supposed to shoot out your problems. Um, oh, also I want to talk about how this movie is like, pretty anti-big like big city. Is it anti-big city? Yeah, because while he's in Tucson, Arizona, like, and they're watching the sideshow, this guy, like, the I think it's the director of the sideshow, comes up to him, and he's like, he, like, points at the show, and he's like, see? 
That would never happen in New York. It's because <laughs> down here we know how to handle our business. <laughs> and I think that's actually what pushes him over the edge. He's like, yeah, I should be like a Nebraskan guy instead of a New York guy. You're right. I should be a gunslinger. <laughs> He's like, you're right. I'm going to go back to my apartment, start a f- corn farm, and then shoot nine people. <laughs> I just think it's so funny that, like, so many... Like, he seemed genuinely happy when he was out in fucking Tucson. Just, like, doing his job, surveying the land, shooting guns with his new friend, and then he goes back to New York, and even his boss comments, like, dude, you look happy. Like, Tucson looks good on you, is what the exact quote was. But here's the thing. I think that's why all our dads live in the suburbs, bro. That taught all our dads to move to suburbia. (laughs) <laughs> you think? Because this guy is like, yeah, crime doesn't happen in Tucson, Arizona. Crime happens in the city where the evils are. I think the only dads who moved to the suburbs are dads who didn't finish this movie and realized that actually Paul cleaned up the city and that it's safe now because of yeah, all the Yeah, and then they sent him to Chicago and they're like, go handle Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got another job for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this taught our dads that... Uh, even if the cops don't want to hire you, you can get a job there. <laughs> it's all about persistence. Okay? All you have to do is buy a gun and then start shooting people in the back while they're running away. Yeah, that's like his preferred. That's like <laughs> it's the the detectives were able to figure out that it's the same guy because like they were able to find the same ammo in everybody's fucking chest. Because he didn't clean the firing pin in the barrel. Rookie mistake. Change the barrel, <laughs> change the firing pin. For all you killers at home. <laughs> For all my shooters at home. <laughs> make, make sure you replace your firing pin and barrel after <laughs> committing a murder. That's one thing this movie didn't teach our dads that I think they need to know. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that the detectives didn't just catch him by being like, oh, another guy shot in the back? It's obviously the same guy <laughs> as every other every other one. Um, also, yeah, he's like, uh, so th- th- they always talk about like the, the detectives who are like catching him when they're like behind closed doors they're yeah. always like so the crime rate's going down right they're like yeah but don't tell everybody that ever else we'll have a whole bunch of vigilantes on our hands yeah it's almost like it's almost like we, like telling i don't know if that's saying vigilante justice is bad but to me it seems like they're saying we should all be vigilantes i think that's what they're saying i think it's like i think it's like a way of saying hey uncle sam doesn't want this but that's only because you'd put the entire police force out of a job yeah and i think this pro-vigilante stance is why my dad's always yelling slurs in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> He's always like, he can't pull anyone over. He, but he knows what he can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is run their license plate and <laughs> pull them over for something unrelated. <laughs> it's pull them over later when he's at work. Do you have any idea what you did three years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just think it's funny how he's like, it's like, yeah, okay, you're cleaning up the streets now by shooting all the muggers, but you're also shooting muggers, like the lowest level criminals. These are dudes who are probably murdering because they don't have money, because they need food, because, you know, they just need some fucking cash to put food on the table or whatever. Yeah. Um, You're shooting all them dead. So, yeah, okay, there's less muggers now. But what happens in 18 years when those muggers' sons grow up without a dad? <laughs> now it's just a city of murderers? Yeah, a city of fatherless murderers who are just out for revenge against the vigilante who never got arrested, who killed like 10 dads <laughs> over the course of a week in New York City. Yeah, that's insane. And also, we were talking about this, like, at no point when he's getting mugged is his life really in danger because every single one of them is always like, 
hey, give me all your money, and then I won't do anything wrong. Yeah, the guy's all just I like... All I want is your money. I don't want your life. Yeah, hey, dude, all I want is your money. And they're always, like, 10 feet away from him, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, he always shoot Like, they, they, they take, like, one step. They're still 12 feet away. And he's just like, hey, not only do I have a gun, but I'm shooting you with it right now. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah, like, the first they see the gun, and it's when it's going on. They always, the muggers always only have knives, and at no point is he like, hey, drop the knife. He's just like... Hey, I'm going to make you drop the knife. Yeah, it's never, hey, put your hands up. It's just like, your hands are limping at your side. Oh, I wanted to talk about this, too, speaking of whatnot. Uh, at first, he punched a guy before he shot anybody. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. This guy pulled out a knife on him, and then he like turned around and punched him and knocked him out and then ran away? Yes. Yeah, so that... But that was, was like, only because he hadn't gotten a gun yet. Yeah, but that shows me that like punching is a gateway drug. <laughs> punching's a gateway action yeah it, you punch first and then you realize how much you like it and then you're like i should get a gun yeah and then you start shooting people <laughs> that's all i wanted to say i that might not have been the right time i don't know bro i think maybe i think maybe think about all the guys who have gotten off harder violence just with punching you know like guys who started off shooting and then they're just like i gotta take this back and then they get into boxing and they're able to like yeah, wind it's down a little bit. I'm not saying it's not a gateway drug. I'm just saying there's probably a lot of guys who have set their lives straight with punching. Well, I'm just saying it's that's sort of like in the same way that like you can smoke weed and it can lead to more drugs. Or if you're a heroin addict, you can smoke weed to get off heroin. <laughs> you're right. OK, <laughs> so if you don't, if you've never punched, then you shouldn't punch. But, but if, if you're already shooting, you should Start punching. Give punches and kicks a try. You might love punching. <laughs> you might really like the way it feels. <laughs> you might love somebody being alive after. It's different, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know how powerful you feel when you see a dead guy? Imagine if you saw a crying guy. <laughs> Imagine how strong you would feel then. <laughs> okay. There's a bit for you guys. Uh, we were saying this movie created a lot of cops, for sure. Yeah, definitely created a lot of cops. This is like this is the this movie is for the guys who like want to be like the sole cop who makes a difference. This is like <laughs> this movie is like the New York cop who's like, yeah, I'm gonna catch Osama bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy who works in the 99th precinct and is like, yeah, fucking, I'm going to Iraq. Yeah, this me and my six shooter, we're going to Iraq and we're finding <laughs> Bin Laden. We're getting revenge for what he did to the Twin Towers. And then what did SEAL Team Six do? Exactly that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we're the bleeding heart liberals and we're fucking idiots. No, I'm just saying that anybody who want anybody in the world who is actually going to make a difference uh, is too smart to allow this movie to influence them <laughs> in making that difference. Fair, but I also feel like uh, it definitely like taught people that you can handle a whole societal problem like because the crime rate went down as soon as he just started murdering guys bro he killed seven guys and they were like the crime rates down six percent crime rate is plummeting <laughs> how <laughs> was the City. crime rate 10 guys <laughs> <laughs> turns out 11 dudes were the ones doing all the crimes <laughs> in new york city a lot of crimes 11 dudes yeah one one criminal per borough we got down here in new york <laughs> i think this movie is what it's like it's made for dudes who live on a farm and have never been robbed, but spend all their time thinking about people who live in the inner city. Yes, <laughs> who do get robbed? Dude. Like, like anyone, anyone who lives on a farm but has to drive into town for some feed sometimes. <laughs> this is th I, this movie. Like every scene in this movie, I feel like was uh, directed by a guy who, like, witnessed a robbery on the train. 
Yeah. And then just thought about what he would have done in the shower the <laughs> yeah, next day. A guy who has no understanding of how crime happens, but is like, I could fix it, though. Yeah, it's like the only reason crime is happening is because I don't have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's why all this crime is happening. New York is fucked because me, Paul Kersey, doesn't have a pistol. The reason that you're a criminal is because I don't have a gun and you don't have a dad. <laughs> so let's solve both of those. No, it, fuck, I fucked up the joke. He was like, the reason crime is happening is because I don't have a gun and you do have a dad. <laughs> so I'd like to hit the reverse reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to make this a game of bop it and hit the reverse <laughs> reverse. <laughs> Man, I would just really love like a, a reboot of this movie 18 years later when it's just the second crime wave of New York has hit. You don't think the second crime wave is happening right now or is that what you meant? I, yeah, I, I mean, technically, this movie happened in 74. So I guess the crime wave I'm talking about is 9-11. <laughs> of around 2001 or so when everybody who Paul murdered turned 18. Yeah, the crime rate was getting fucking crazy. They stopped vandalizing buildings and started just exploding them. Yeah, the vandalism in this movie was nothing. <laughs> a guy just like spray painted some lines and drew a swastika on the wall. Like, I get that that's tasteless, but it, you could also I mean, clean that shit up. Yeah, he drew something on a girl's butt, too, but we elected to breeze past that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We should put a trigger warning at the start of this. Hey, don't watch this movie if um, you are triggered by anything that could trigger a person. Yeah, don't don't watch this movie if you feel things towards humans. Yeah. If you have empathy, don't watch this. <laughs> we are, could watch it because we are on the brink of being serial killers. <laughs> That's the only reason we are allowed to watch this movie. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone with thoughts or feelings. Um I also wanted to talk about uh it was do you remember the scene where the detective is like walking back from finding a following up on a lead and then he's walking past his secretary's desk and her phone rings and he answers it for her and then he's like Oh yeah, I'll be there right now. And then doesn't hang up the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he takes it down in front of her, and he's like, "You know what to do, bitch." <laughs> what do I pay you for? <laughs> Just <laughs> that's like the biggest boss move I've ever seen is to hang up a phone near the receiver. Just, like, not even, like, put it nicely on the desk. Just, like, I'll be there right away. And then just throw it where it may land. Man, that's like when your roommate cooks and then you make him a plate. And you're like, I did something, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Really, it reminds me of when I've been a cook in a restaurant and the restaurant owner would come in and fuck up everything that I've done. And then, <laughs> yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. And then I just have to, like, fix it while being nice to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, your manager would come back and be like, I'm going to flip this burger. And you'd be like, don't flip that burger. And they're <laughs> like, I already flipped the burger. And you're like, that's why it fell apart. <laughs> that's exactly what it's precisely like that. Oh, hey, this movie actually does something really impressive. So there's a, a, a scene with the detective where he's like, they're trying to figure out who this vigilante is. And uh, he's like, well, he knows how guns work. So he's obviously uh uh, a veteran of uh, the Vietnam War, they're the youngest, and then followed by the Korea War, checking those orders. Like, he's doing all this shit where it's like, because he did this in his crime, he must be like this type of person. It's Taught our dads to stereotype. Well, it's FBI profiling is what it is. It's yeah. like actual profiling, except for uh, 
This movie came out four years before FBI profiling was a thing. <laughs> this movie came out four years. This movie came out in 1974. In 1978 was when John Douglas of Mindhunter fame started doing criminal profiling. So what you're telling me is that this movie taught our dads a lot, but it also taught the FBI quite a few new tricks. <laughs> yeah, this movie <laughs> taught our dads how to be racist and stereotype. And, and the, FBI the FBI also how to, how to be racist and stereotype. But in a way that catches serial killers. In a way that's right sometimes. <laughs> in a way that's right, but also doesn't matter in the end. Because they were able to catch, they were able to catch Paul, mm. and then they were like, hey, we don't want to arrest you. But also the profiling is wrong, right? Because they, cause they he was a conscientious objector. So maybe well, that proves that uh, profiling is bad. They did profile him incorrectly. I mean, profiling in the FBI sense, I would say, is pretty good and impressive. I think it's bad. We're going to have to ag agree to disagree on that. What has the FBI profile ever done other than been like, yeah, he's a fucking guy. Yeah, he walks. he's got some hobbies and a job, and he walks around. He's a guy. That's what every FBI profile is like. <laughs> I like <laughs> it, man. I think it's pretty funny. It's like they murdered this lady and left her shirt on. By that, I know that this guy is an insecure nerd who probably was a mama's boy growing up who didn't <laughs> stop breastfeeding till he was 13 years old. Like, they just know way too much about a guy based on the most minimal thing. Like, that's why I enjoy FBI profiling. Yeah, but I always feel like they say that and then they show up and then it's like a well-adjusted dude and then they just like nitpick for what proves their thesis right. They're like, uh, oh, he held his mom's hand while they Bro, crossed the street. We should the shoot him. What the fuck is this podcast if not nitpicking to prove our thesis right? <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 that's true. This podcast is the FBI profiling <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> Okay, fine. So they invented FBI profiling in this movie. Uh, they use it incorrectly. They say that they guessed the wrong war he was in. He wasn't in any wars. He was. He was. He was in the Korean War, but as a he worked in uh, the infirmary as a conscientious conscientious objector. I thought he stayed home as a conscientious objector. No, he worked. Uh, he said he did medical shit. He worked oh, in fuck. an infirmary or some shit as a CO. He was saying they oh, were okay. like, "Oh, commanding officer," and he was like, "Conscientious objector." Actually. Actually. Precisely. Uh, Conscientious objectives, see? Oh, yeah. Also, um, when... So the final murder, which is what gets him incriminate... The incriminating murder, as I call it. Yes. He uh, shoots two guys, and then one guy stabs him in the back with his knife and gets away, right? And, uh... Like, and then after he got stabbed and murdered the man, he didn't go to the hospital. He just, like, went home and handled it. Yeah. And, like, that, if that is not everybody's dad <laughs> in the world, bro, that taught all our dads that they know best and they know how to handle every injury. <laughs> yeah. Because the amount of times I've been like, hey, man, I think I sprained my ankle. Maybe we shouldn't do sports today. And then he's like, go fucking run, you dumbass. <laughs> he's like, you're fucking fine. Put some peas on it. <laughs> like, I feel like that that scene in this movie is exactly what every dad does when faced with an injury. Absolutely. This guy was stabbed 
literally like on the back on a part of your body <laughs> that is tough to deal with yourself even if it's something that i could survive if it's on yeah. my back i'm like hey bro would you mind putting this band-aid on me yeah but instead he's just like i'm gonna pat it with my dress shirt and then i'll have some scotch i'll look at my orange wall and i'll be fine yeah and i'll bury this deep deep down <laughs> yeah and if that's not every adult's behavior i don't know what is i'm gonna cover this in isopropyl alcohol and never think of it again that's what i do with uh you know, breakups and stuff. <laughs> there was this weird, like, racial point that they tried to make about, like, uh, one of the cops was like, yeah, this is a, this guy's obviously doing a hate crime because he's been killing a lot of African-Americans. Oh, and I then somebody's like, <laughs> somebody's like, yeah, but that's just because most muggers are. What do you want, racial equality among muggers? And it's <laughs> like, no, that's just you being racist now. <laughs> you could have just been like, yeah, this guy is doing hate crimes. Yeah. But instead you're like... Actually, I would like it to pass on to me. <laughs> Actually, I would like to do the stereotyping. Thank you. <laughs> Man, that's just like such a fucking dumbass, like old guy mentality of like why it's okay for me to be racist against black people. Statistically. Statistically speaking. If you look at the statistics, it's like, <laughs> oh, fuck yourself, you nerd. You've never even thought about a statistic in your life. All you do is drink Pilsner and complain. Yeah. That's all old guys do, and they still have the nerve to be like, yeah, statistically, the go only, fuck yourself." The only math you know is math to back up your racism. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's math you found on a website that is not true. Yeah, fuck off with your race <laughs> math that you read on a weird forum <laughs> published in 2005. It's math you found on a website where the guy who started the website has already been indicted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. One of those weird internet w websites that, that are just like relics of the 90s that some dude prepaid for for way too long, so they're just going to be up forever. Yeah. No edits. Just a lunatic's manifesto. This also uh, taught our – it taught parents that um, – I don't know if it taught them, but the lesson I took from it is like it's okay to kill someone if they've wronged you. But it's also okay to kill anyone if someone has wronged you. Yeah, because that's <laughs> – to elaborate on that, so Paul gets the gun and he goes to exact murder on the guys who, like, killed his wife or whatever. But he never – like, you never meet Jeff Goldblum again. It's a very half-baked theory where he's like, yeah, I bet you if I go to the projects, I'll find the guys who murdered yeah. my wife. He shot nine guys. He shot and killed nine men. None of them were the ones responsible for the murder of his wife. I think wife. this movie inspired school shootings, if I'm honest. A kid will get mad at his teacher and then go shoot nine unrelated people. I was like, thinking about that exact same thing. Like, it's that kind of just fear and helplessness against the world of just like, man, I, I've been wronged and I know that I can't do anything to, uh, about it to the guy who wronged me. So I'm just going to fuck as many people as possible. Like, this, Death Wish absolutely has school shooter mentality, bro. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And um, fuck. The other way that it has school shooter mentality is there's also a scene from the Joker in this movie. I yeah, I mean I yeah, I he, there's a train murder, but I watched. I, yes, it is pretty similar to the Joker one. I do think the Joker ripped off the scene of. It's the train so scene. what we're talking about is there's a scene in the movie where Paul Kersey's sitting on the subway train, minding his own business, reading the paper. When some muggers come up to him, they slice his newspaper, and then he's the mugger says something that's completely illegible to him. I've watched this movie twice. I do not know what he said to him. Yeah, I tried to like rewind and go back. 
just nonsense, garbled nonsense. Paul shoots him in the face and uh, <laughs> then also shoots his friend and then gets off the train. Uh, similar thing happens in the Joker where the Joker's being fucked with on the train and then shoots three guys who wronged him. Yeah. And that's that. Those are the similarities. So the Joker's about school shooters. So why is this not about them? I mean, it's. I think it has to be. Th- yes, but this movie, I, th- I think the Joker makes the Joker look like a bitch, and this movie is just like, of course he became a school shooter. He had to handle business. Yeah, but that makes him look like a bitch to me. Like these guys, well, they look both as unstable as the other ones. But I, I agree with you. But I think that. Th- they're trying to make the Joker look unstable by hi- having him do all the same same shit that they did that they had Paul Kersey do, to make him look like he's got it together and that he's a man on a mission. Yeah, exactly. Like the contexts have just changed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's so like funny. the se- in the seventies, lunacy was just like a dude on a mission, and now it's uh, you know what it is. Now it's like problematic. A you man know? with face Put that paint guy in a hospital, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this movie invented psych wards for sure. That's so funny. Joker came out there. Uh, they had cops in the theaters, so people didn't fucking shoot him up. This movie came out. They made five sequels. Yeah, and they gave you 3D glasses, but also revolvers. <laughs> I bet you in this movie when it was in the theaters, yeah, they handed out revolvers in a box. Yeah, wh- when this movie was in theaters, you could get little revolvers at McDonald's in your hand. And then the usher was like. See you on Columbus Ave. <laughs> We're going to be walking down there tonight. It's going to be pretty clean. <laughs> You're not going to notice anything. <laughs> but yeah. So this movie fucking ends with the cops catching Paul and then just letting him off. Like being like, hey, bro, I understand why you did what you did. We can't arrest you or else you'll be a martyr and then everyone will be doing what you did. Yeah. So just go to Chicago, please. And then he goes to Chicago, and then I guess the second movie starts. They didn't even take his gun. That's the craziest part about it. Is like no, I they did take his gun. Oh, I thought they didn't. No, he he had his gun. gun. Taken scene? No, so when the, when when the head detective was confronting him at the end, this pissed me off. The detective has no trigger discipline. He's just like pointing Paul's gun at him, finger on the trigger, being like, you know, I could throw this gun into the river, or I could enter it into evidence. All depends on whether you pack up your things and leave tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, all depends on whether you stay in the city that gave you PTSD or leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even go to fucking Tucson. Like, he doesn't even go to the city that he has a friend in that he had a lovely weekend at. Yeah, that he, <laughs> he enjoys. He just goes to crime-ridden Chicago. He's like, <laughs> you know what? I should get it again. I Jesus should get PTSD Christ. again. What a nonsense movie. This movie taught our dads that if something gives you trauma, you go do that again yeah, immediately. Keep doing it until it stops giving you trauma. <laughs> keep doing what's traumatized you until you can't feel anything anymore. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, like saying, I was going to kill you, but uh, I won't if you just go to Chicago. Like, that's why my mom goes on vacation every time her and my dad get in a fight. I think, you know, they yeah. just taught our parents to run from their problems. <laughs> or maybe do you think that, like, excommunicating somebody to sh- Chicago is just, like, a soft death penalty? You know? Like, go to Murder Town. I don't think you could give Paul Kirsty the death penalty. I'd like to see you just fucking try. Just based on how he's good at avoiding dying. Yeah, he's got a death wish, but he will never die. His <laughs> death wish is that he will never die. He's got a death wish, not a death penalty wish, okay? 
he wants to die in a duel like a man, <laughs> not as a penalty like a pussy. <laughs> not shot in the back like a common mugger. Like the man, like a man that he would confront. <laughs> yeah, like the ten men he shot. <laughs> um, you yeah. got anything else? No, man. I think that's fucking this shit. Apart from like uh. I don't know. I, I I would like to say how much I hate Charles Bronson's body. Yeah. Let's talk about the weird body positivity of the 70s where they hate women, but they, like, force-feed you the weirdest-looking fucking <laughs> male superstar stars. Because, like, Charles Bronson is, like, the Jason Momoa of his era, of, like, you know, the guy who women would fawn over and just think, like, man, that's a manly man. My, that, my husband can't handle shit, but if my husband was Charles Bronson, he could, you know? Yeah, that's what they wish. But it's just like Charles Bronson is he's got like the body of a young man, but the skin of an old man and the hair of a boy and the mustache of a pedophile. Yeah, I don't know why people act like the Justin Bieber haircut was invented when Justin Bieber came around, because every protagonist in movies from the 80s and beyond have this fucking like short to the side, weird, not touching it hairstyle. Yeah, bro. And they all have this shitty, like, cop mustache, and their chest hair is always tufting out. And they're like, they walk by a regular looking woman, and they're like, look at that ugly bitch. I'd never <laughs> fuck her. <laughs> and that's what movies are like, just about in the 70s. Like, It's like they were so halfway to being right. Because, like, right now, I'd say that old, gross looking white dudes are the butt of every joke in movies. Every dude in all these movies look disgusting. And, and they all act like they're hot. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they're immaculately, like, just the perfect man. They're hot. They get their dick sucked through the whole movie. There's not one hot guy in until about, like, literally until the Twilight franchise. They didn't have hot guys in movies. Yeah, no hot guys in old Hollywood. <laughs> they didn't have hot guys till the 90s. <laughs> they didn't have hot guys till Jean-Claude Van Damme started doing movies. Guys literally were not hot until Bruce Lee. <laughs> That's it. Like, <laughs> we didn't even have that as a concept. This m- they didn't. <laughs> But, bro, I think that's beautiful to an extent. Like, if you get rid of how much they hated women uh, and you just have how much they uh, love well, what I think they weird looking white guys. Because I, I, I also watched a Vice documentary about bears. Yeah. And <laughs> what? <laughs> about, like, you know, gay, hairy guys. Oh, I thought you meant the animal. No, no, no. About, like, uh, gay guys who are big and hairy. And the body issues that they talk about in their community are very similar to <laughs> how they portray old men or, you know, weird looking gross guys and old Hollywood where they're like, yeah, I thought I looked gross because that's how pop culture portrayed me. And then I found out everyone thinks I'm hot, actually. Like, that's what yeah, that's what old Hollywood was trying to create. Well, yeah, they were just like, that's because every CEO of a movie studio looked like that. So they were just like, how do I trick yeah, girls into thinking I'm hot? Absolutely right. <laughs> like, I got a, like, I got a $1 million budget and my goal is to trick women into thinking I'm hot. How do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> By showing Charles Bronson bang until people think like, am I weird for not thinking he's hot? I guess dudes like him are supposed to bang. <laughs> yeah, they seriously, MGM just like gaslit a generation of women into thinking that that was attractive. <laughs> <laughs> and that is problematic. <laughs> I think we should change the name of the show to dot, 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 and that is problematic. That would actually be genius, because then our name would start with A, and we would pop up at the top of more lists. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of Y, literally the second to last. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's fucked up and not progressive how they portray women. But, like, I think... They were so close, you know, like they could have just like showed a really ugly lady and been like, 
oh, yeah, I kind of want to fuck her. Like, that's all they had to do. Or just show a regular lady. Like somebody, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like every chick in old nice Hollywood movies, looking lady. bro. I mean, like all the women on old Hollywood movies are like, so, like perfect. Like there's beautiful, like, clean, s- clear skin queens. Seriously, like they're just you know, like just really. I want mwah. them. I just want them. All Audrey Hepburn looking, but yeah, and like I and and, and that's all that they have, so that they make that look regular and then they have like guys just treating them like they're nothing yeah they're trying to make hot women look as regular as regular guys yeah. that's what they're trying to do in exactly this movie. put a get a girl with a little bit of a gut and some wrinkles on her and have her fuck constantly yeah i think if we're remaking this movie don't change any of the murdering just make some of the women ugly so <laughs> so we could realize that like everybody looks different like, I don't know why every woman has to look the same, but also every man has to look the same in this movie. I think this movie would be way better if it was just gender switched and it was like a 40-year-old woman who was just, she thought she had her life figured out and then her husband oh dies God, and now she's just pissed off. That is the best remake we've come up with so far. This is the best remake. Just it, like a gender switched version of this where like uh, a man gets home invaded and murdered and then his wife is like, you know what I'm going to do? Vigilant. And you know who is wife I'm going to be bro. a vigilante. Vigilante, played by Melissa McCarthy. That's this fucking movie, dude. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> Melissa, who is your agent? <laughs> what is their email? We because got something for you. I have you. a $500 gig I'd like to <laughs> offer you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would... I do, I do like this movie if it's flipped into being about women. I love this movie all of a sudden now. All the dudes are secretaries, too. Like, a yeah, lady. Th- th- imagine a lady walking in and answering your phone for you and then being like, hang that up, you stupid idiot. <laughs> are you going to fix that male secretary? They <laughs> call them male secretaries in this one, too. <laughs> I would like them to bring back male secretaries. I'm going to start calling all my guy friends male secretaries. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to put male secretary on my resume. <laughs> No, 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 not secretary. Not assistant. Absolutely not. Not a secretary. I'm a male secretary. I have a penis. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a boy. Yeah, somebody's like, oh, oh, in this company, we just call everybody secretary. And you're like, are you trying to erase my penis? <laughs> this is penis erasure. But I'm a male secretary. I want you to acknowledge my cock when you uh, refer to my job title. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the 80s was all about. Just like announcing who had penises. Yeah, a bunch of dudes respecting each other's cocks. Just. Hey, I've never seen your cock, but I'm glad you have one. Sure, it's huge. (laughs) Sum up the 80s in one sentence. Glad you have a cock, brother. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Death Wish. You got anything else to add? I don't think so. Do you? Fuck no. Fuck no. Oh, fuck no. So our lesson to the subscribers this week is uh, if anyone wrongs you, get a gun. But then don't shoot it at people. Shoot it at the cops because they're never going to find who killed your wife. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Kill cops. (laughs) I I guess this movie is about how we should kill cops. Oh, actually, I do want to say I think it's so funny just to see like the – uh, uh, right-wing attitudes on cops depending on, like, what the era is. Like, it goes from the 70s of, like, cops gotta fuck off. You know, like, <laughs> I can handle this. I don't need the police. I just need me. I need community policing. I need me looking after my neighborhood. Yeah. Why would we even have the cops if we can just have all of our friends looking out for all of our friends? <laughs> and now it's, like, 
Defend the police. Yeah. Obey the cops. No. Every Fuck community policing. We need more police. Yeah, every right-wing guy is like, yeah, I could handle it, but look how good they are at handling it with their mustaches and chest hair, bro. Yeah, I, I respect our boys in blue. Blue lives matter. You know what I think? If I was a right-wing guy, I would think that all cops should have to cut a V-neck into their bulletproof vest just to show off their chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that they should also have, like, a little window in their pants where you can see that they all do have huge cocks. Or just cocks. Just have them out? It just makes me feel comfortable to know that other <laughs> men have penises. What if instead of pants, cops just had, like, leggings that went to the top of their legs and then had their waist just be out? You know, like they had... Like, are you talking spandex? I'm talking... Like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm talking they each wear l essentially long socks up to the tops of their legs. and then Like thigh-high boots, but they're n they have no pants? Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. And their cocks and ass are always out. Yeah. So you can see that they're fucking dudes. And I think that would help them remember that they're regular citizens. Like, I think <laughs> yeah. cops would stop thinking they're so much better than everybody else if they had to have their dick and balls and asshole out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see cops bothering skateboarders when their fucking <laughs> yeah, cock yeah, yeah. is out. Try to tell me I'm smoking weed too close to a building, bro. Your tiny wiener is <laughs> hanging out right now. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right, dude. Don't defund the police. Take their pants Fuck away. Fuck off, bitch. I'm only going five over and your balls are tiny. I'm not <laughs> taking I'm not accepting this ticket. Give them thigh high boots. Yeah. That's the new progressive stance. Give the cops thigh high boots. Take their pants, give them thigh highs. Let's see some balls. <laughs> Let's, see, Let's some see the long balls of justice. <laughs> let's see which cop works too much to shave, and then let's make fun of him for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then also let's see which cop doesn't work enough to shave, or, <laughs> you know, has enough time to shave. Takes too many days off. Yeah. <laughs> He's always manscaping. Yeah. Who do you think the best manscaped cop would be? The, the chief or, like, a beat cop? I think it'd be like a I think it'd be like a desk jockey. Like all the desk jockeys just have immaculate pubes and all the guys <laughs> out on the beach just have like scruff going on their dick. <laughs> Crazy bush, it's all Crazy bush. Yeah, knots. yeah, yeah. It's like what if it's like uh Game of Thrones, like the Dothraki in Game of Thrones where they only like they only shave their pubes when they lose a battle. <laughs> <laughs> One guy is like just pubes like down to the floor and he's like, Yeah, I've never lost a bad guy. Never Every lost time I case. can't close a case, I shave my pubes off. Yeah. <laughs> sort of my quirk. <laughs> I'm sort of a quirky guy. <laughs> That's how I motivate myself to never lose. I'm not like other guys. Every time I lose a fight, I shave my pubes, and that's it. <laughs> other guys, they shave it for sex. Me, I only fight. Only when I'm dealing with dudes. Um, and I shave my pubes after every time my secretary beats me to answering her phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, imagine that getting a secretary just so you can answer the phone first. <laughs> just uh, just to race. Yeah. Like literally <laughs> this man only got a secretary just to test his reflexes. <laughs> so anyway, in conclusion, this movie kind of sucked. It sounded like it's fun to shit on, but it sucked watching. I really I, did not enjoy this. Yeah, this is a movie that I can't recommend that any of the uh, subscribers to this podcast watch. I don't think it's good or has uh, any redeeming qualities, really. This is mostly just us making the best of a bad situation. Like, I think that if we hadn't have started watching this, we wouldn't have 
liked making fun of it? No, yeah, and I I just like making fun of it. Like, like I don't like this as a movie, but I do like it as a window into my uncle who I disagree we're with. We're sort brain. of doing what the protagonist did. Like we're just shooting at the movie because yeah. we'd like to ignore our problems exactly. with the movie. <laughs> this movie made me so mad that I yeah, I'm just taking it out on people now. I'm taking <laughs> it out on this movie. Th- I feel I- if we wanted to make that uh analogy accurate, it would be like if this movie made us so mad that we just started shitting on other movies. I mean, yeah, this this movie This is movie w- made me so mad I gave uh, Aliens a bad review. This movie made me so mad that I hate I hate Blood Star Sport. Wars now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this movie really put me off Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> this mo- <laughs> yeah, I hate this movie so much that I also hate books now. <laughs> 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 yeah, fuck this shit. Fuck all the people involved in it. Fuck it all, dude. But yeah. Fuck Charles fun. Bronson and his horrible body. Yeah, I'm all about Action Bronson, not Charles Bronson. <laughs> yeah. Charles Bronson's a bitch. Listen to Action Bronson's new album. That's way more progressive. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. Follow me at Instagram, Kean underscore BD. Brad is I Hate Brad. Our podcast is at YPTW Pod. YPTW Pod. No spaces, no capitals. And uh, if you guys got chest hair that pokes out of your shirt, send us a picture. We'll yeah. call it hot. I'd like to see your chest hair. And if you got some chest hair that you don't need, send it over. Uh, we'll get <laughs> Neither of us have chest hair. We both really yeah, need it. Yeah, we need some chest hair. Um, <laughs> if anybody, w- we have a P.O. box for fan mail. We're only accepting hair, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really more of a hair box. Don't send mail. <laughs> more of an H-A-I-R box. <laughs> it's, it's not really P.O. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you, we'll see you next week when we watch. Uh, mo- Do we know what we're watching? Uh, you wanted? I don't know. Probably. I'm d- d- what are we doing? Do you want to do a kung fu movie next week? Um. Oh, I got some ideas. Can I? Yeah, let's just uh, we'll read them and then we just have to say one out and cut it. Hey, tune in next week when we watch the film Blame It on Rio. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. What it, it fucking. Yeah, a movie where a man falls in love. Yeah. With something. Watch Blame It on Rio where Michael Caine, Alfred from Batman, falls in love with his friend's daughter. I didn't know he was Alfred from Batman. He is Alfred from Batman, and Who? here he is being questionable. His friend's daughter is Wonder Woman from Batman. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>